0: Okay, today we are talking about the importance of lifestyle for the multidisciplinary athlete. By multidisciplinary, we mean an athlete who is pursuing some combination of strength, conditioning, and skill at the same time. So this is often a CrossFit hybrid or tactical athlete. And I want to hit on the importance of lifestyle. So this is one of the four pillars that I use in my Vital Athlete process. The other three are time, fuel, and sleep. And the fourth is lifestyle. So that's the lens that I use to look at all of the hours that an athlete spends outside the gym. And when we're talking about a multidisciplinary athlete, you're asking more of your physiology than a skill sport athlete or a single physiological sport athlete. So a skill sport athlete would be a basketball player or a baseball player. And while they do train a lot and there are high demands of their sport, they're not asking as much of their physiology as an athlete in a physiologically dependent sport. Same thing with a physiological sport athlete, a single sport like a runner or a lifter of some kind. When you're asking yourself to run and lift, as an example of two skills that you might have as a multidisciplinary athlete, you're asking more of your physiology. The workload is higher, the hours in the gym are greater. And so because you're asking more of your physiology, you need to support your physiology even more. So it's, it's common to see skill sport athletes, say basketball players, and they're going out on the weekends and they're sacrificing nights of sleep. Whereas you never heard of Matt Fraser doing that. He was notorious for being a monk of sorts and living in his parents' basement and like training all day and then sleeping for 10 hours. And so There's a huge difference there when you're asking that much of your physiology, you need to support it more. And so that's just to frame the importance of this piece for a multidisciplinary athlete. It's even more important for you than it is for an athlete in a skill sport or an athlete in a single discipline. Okay, so time, fuel, sleep, and the fourth one is lifestyle. So the first component of lifestyle is sunlight. This is one that has incredible benefits for so many reasons there are so many mechanisms by which sunlight helps you especially if you get it in the a.m so my general guidelines for sunlight are get it on 50 plus percent of your body weather permitting of course between the hours of 10 a.m and 3 p.m so this is when the sun is highest in the sky regardless of daylight savings etc regardless of season and so You're going to get a bigger cortisol response to it if the sun is nice and high. It's also going to signal to you that your circadian rhythm is in motion. And so it's setting that clock for later in the evening and makes it optimal for sleep. So when we talk about sleep, we talk about the optical light diet throughout the day and making sure that you get sun on your eyes and face between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m., especially in that a.m. portion is ideal it is also great for vitamin d and that your vitamin d levels are a great indicator of how much sunlight you're getting and so sunlight by all these different mechanisms is an incredible tool for vitality for the multidisciplinary athlete and so i love after meal walks to get the sunlight so i love the after meal walks for a lot of reasons but one of the reasons is you finish breakfast and you instead of just going right from eating your huge breakfast and then sitting down at a desk to metabolize that food when your mental acuity isn't necessarily going to be optimal because you had a large breakfast and you are metabolizing that food and you have that large bolus of food in your system, going for a walk encourages metabolism. So that easy movement is going to promote a better mental acuity in the morning and it's also an opportunity to get some. And then you have the second opportunity after lunch to go on a 10 or 20 minute walk. And those are great habits that promote digestion, promote metabolism and utilization of the nutrients in your food and also an opportunity to get sunlight. So it's a great best practice to take a 10 or 20 minute walk after your breakfast and lunch. Okay, which leads into number 2, which is non-exercise activity. So this is one that varies depending on where you are in your season. So walking and counting number of steps is a great baseline for me to know how much non-exercise activity an athlete is doing now during intensification pre-competition this is the non-exercise activity is going to be less because the demands inside of training are more intense and more demanding so when we look at non-exercise activity in the off-season however we want to look at a dose of between 6 and 12000 steps per day now why such a big range well there's A difference in training priorities, say, for the strength-biased athlete versus the conditioning-biased athlete. So an athlete who is very fast twitch and their highest priority is conditioning is going to be able to tolerate more non-exercise activity than the athlete who is really focused on increasing their strength and needs to keep non-exercise activity in check so that they have more intensity to bring to their tough contractions. So that's just an example of the variant, why there's such a big range there. But if you're getting less than 6,000, I would say you probably could be moving more and the opportunities to move lymph and opportunities to move blood and opportunities to relax, support digestion, support metabolism, de-stress, get into nature, get into a fractal environment, unplug from your phone, etc. All of the benefits that come along with walking I would say if you're getting less than 6,000 a day, even if you're a strength-biased athlete in your off-season, that's probably too little, and just get out for your 10-minute walks after your breakfast and lunch. Okay, so those are the first two lifestyle pieces, sunlight and non-exercise activity. Next is hydration. So I see a lot of individuals advocating for water first thing in the morning, and I think that's great. I think it's a great way to break your fast. I think it's a great way to signal your cortisol curve to start going up. I think it's a great way to get your GI going and get that first bowel movement out of the way before you eat breakfast uh, within the first hour of waking. And so that is a great tool. I also like to add some things to that morning starter to support hydration. Now, when we're talking about general hydration levels, probably should start with this general hydration levels, we're talking about 50 to 60% of your body weight in ounces of water per day. So if you're 150 pound male, that's 75 minimum ounces of water per day. Now, when we go back to the morning starter, instead of using just water for that, we're gonna add some salt to it. And we're gonna add 500 to 1000 milligrams of salt to it to 24 to 30 ounces of water to start the day. You can also add a sugar source to this, whether it's a liquid IV or a orange juice or something like that, something that's citrus-based to get your adrenals going and promote that transition to wakefulness from sleep. Okay, so that's hydration. One way you can know if you're hyponatremic, meaning you're low salt, is if your blood pressure is on the low side. So if you stand up and you have that lightheaded feeling, or you have the the black clouds coming in from the edge of your field of vision, then that's an indicator that your blood pressure is a little bit low and you could probably use more salt. So that's a great tool. Also, the color of your urine is a great tool. So if your urine is clear and copious, meaning you have to get to the bathroom, I have to get to the bathroom now, and then it's copious and it's very clear, that's also an indicator that you could be flushing the electrolytes out of your system and you could possibly benefit from adding more salt, especially to your morning starter. Okay, so that's hydration. Hygiene. Hygiene is number four. And when we talk about hygiene, I literally mean the cleansing of the skin. Now, you've probably noticed if you think back to times where say you have an evening training session, or say you, say you even have a morning training session, and you don't perform hygiene until the very end of your day. So you're, you have that sweat clogging your pores, and your skin hasn't been cleansed, You don't recover as well, it seems, as if you perform hygiene immediately after your training session. So I'm a huge advocate for performing hygiene immediately after your training session. Same thing if you're in the middle of a competition. You'll often hear of athletes at multi-day CrossFit competitions. Do I have time to get back to the hotel or get back to the Airbnb and shower? And... The reason they're trying to do that is because they know that if they smell good, if they cleanse the skin, then they're going to have a perception of recovery and it's going to promote natural recovery processes more than if they stayed in their non-hygienic state. Okay, so hygiene is super important. I highly recommend getting your hygiene in as soon as you can after each training session. Okay, and the fifth one is stress. So this goes into your psychosocial environmental factors and The importance of this cannot be overstated. If you are stressed out in your relationships, in your other roles, whether it's work-related or family-related, etc., then your ability to handle to your preparedness to take on stress in training is going to be diminished. You only have a finite amount of stress that you can take. And one of the beauties of multiple disciplines is we're exploring what that other upper limit is. What is the upper limit of how much stress I can take on as an athlete. And if you're, if you've ever done like a big time military selection, then, you know, it's basically how far can we go? Like how far until the body just like quits from dehydration or from starvation or from fatigue, like from sleep deprivation. And so when you're exploring the limits of how far can your physiology take you, there's a finite amount of stress that you can handle. And so You want to, if you're looking to take on as much stress as humanly possible, then you want to reduce the amount of stress that's coming from those other roles and responsibilities in life. And so if you have something that you need to address, then address that first, address it as soon as possible so that you can take on more stress in training. Okay, guys, that is it. So lifestyle is sunlight, non-exercise activity, hydration, hygiene, and stress. And then that's couched as one of the four pillars of your time, fuel, sleep, and lifestyle. As a multidisciplinary athlete, this is super important because you're asking so much of your physiology. You're asking it to take on as much stress as possible. You're exploring the upper limit of what can the human physiology take and positively adapt to. And when you're taking that, when you're doing that undertaking, it's even more important to support yourself outside the gym. Okay, guys, see you in the next one.